0: welcome back to our study in the book of Proverbs. We're going to come to the end of chapter four. Can you believe it? And um, hopefully we have learned a lot about the wisdom of God. But um, when I say that, hopefully we've learned about the wisdom of God and the wisdom of God, the greatest revelation of the wisdom of God. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. Remember, young person. I'm not going to allow you to study through the book of Proverbs without making much of Jesus. He's everything. And the reason why we want to be wise is because of him. We want to honor him. All right. Well, let's read um, chapter four, verse 20 through 27. And apart from some strange work of providence, we will get through today. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead. And let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Let's go the Lord in prayer. The father, as we come to the end of this chapter. Oh, dear God, please work in all our lives. But especially, Lord, in the lives of the youth, of the young people who are studying through Proverbs. Oh, Lord, let them see Christ. Cause them to love Christ. Honor your son by teaching them to walk in your commandments, Lord. And that Christ might be center for them. The rock upon which they have rested. Their only source of salvation. And dear God, help us today. We live in such a wicked, dark place. Use this message today to help the young people to navigate through this minefield. The minefield of this fallen world. In Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So we are in verses 26 and 27. But let's do a general review in verses 20 through 22. We are called to attention to give attention to God's word. Then in verse 23, we're to give attention to our hearts. We're to watch over our hearts. Then in 24, we are to give attention to our mouths what we say, what we speak, because as we've learned, what comes out of our mouth is a demonstration of the content of our hearts. And if we want to change our mouth and the direction of our feet and what we do with our hands, we have to deal with the heart. Now, in verse 26, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Navigation, learning how to walk in a very, very, very dark and dangerous place. And young person, do not be afraid in the sense of being paralyzed with fear, but allow the reality of this fallen world to seep in um, to your understanding that you realize you're living behind enemy lines. And that there's not any light in this world and that um, there are dangers all over the ground, whether you want to call them bombs or booby traps. Know that there are snares set everywhere. And you and I need to learn how to navigate through this life. And we we don't make it through by doing what is right in our own eyes. And we certainly don't make it through by doing what is right in the eyes of this fallen world. So let's go and let's look at this text. Let's start in verse 26. He says, watch the path of your feet, literally clear away for your foot, make a way, clear it out and then walk. The idea is ponder the path of your feet. Look at where you're walking now. I've always said, you know, when if um, even when I was a little boy and we'd be fishing at the pond or the swamps or the river or something, you always watched where you put your foot. Because where I live, there was a thing called a water moccasin. That's not a shoe. That is the ugliest, nastiest, meanest snake on the planet, some would argue. And so as little boys, we were taught always watch where you're stepping And if you're stepping in a pile of brush or something, clear it away a bit. Why? Because there could be one of those um, moccasins under the brush that you can't see. Ponder the path of your feet. Now, when we go to Ephesians five, we see a New Testament application of this verses 15 through 17. He says, therefore, be careful, literally look carefully. It's a command how you walk. Don't walk as unwise men, but as wise men. Now, how does an unwise man walk? When we look at the book of Proverbs, we see that a fool is quick to rush in to danger without even thinking about it. Um, when I was, um, especially when I first started working in Peru and would go into the jungle, I um, I was like a shadow to the Peruvians who knew well the jungle. I knew I did not have the wisdom that they had with regard to which river to swim in or when to get out of the boat or what animal to touch or what path to choose. I knew I didn't know all that. I wasn't wise with regard to the jungle. Now, as a little boy, you could put me in in the woods and I could hunt squirrels all day and not get lost. But the jungle was a completely different matter. Now, look at what's going on. I recognized I'm out of my league. And see, that's one of the things that a wise man does. He recognizes, look, I'm in a dangerous place. I can't see the dangers. I'm out of my league. I need guidance. And that guidance, of course, is found in the word of God. He says, don't walk as unwise men, but as wise men. And one of the great characteristics of a wise man is what? He receives instruction, doesn't he? We learned that at the very beginning of our study. And from where should we receive that instruction? From the world? No, the world walks in darkness, loves darkness and hates the light. We receive instruction to be wise from the scriptures. Now, he says something that's very important. Therefore, be careful, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Now, what does he mean? Well, here's something that you need to to realize. Um, Grandmothers used to say this all the time that idleness was the devil's workshop. And so many young people today are just idle. Or they're doing things that really don't have much substance to them, oftentimes dangerous things in media and video games and other things like that. And so they're not making the best use of their time. If I knew that I had 24 hours before I had to go in and walk across a field that was lined with hidden mines underneath or explosives, I would probably spend the next 24 hours studying the map to make sure I didn't step on any of them. One of the ways that we make the best use of our time is by studying God's word, by conversing about God's word, by walking with wise men and doing things that are productive. um, parents have come to me oftentimes and said, you know, my children are just constantly, you know, they just run wild in the house and I discipline them and I do all these different things. And I said, well, there's one thing you're missing. Children are meant to go wild. They just need to go wild outside and they need to go wild doing proper things. For example, I was raised on a on a farm. Uh, You didn't have much trouble with children going wild in the house. Why? Because you were worked all day on the farm. You were busy. You weren't doing idle things. You were doing physical things that wore you out, you see. Well, here on a spiritual level, it's not just that we want to avoid doing bad things. We don't want to be idle with our time. You see, if you're going to reject What the world offers you, that's not enough. You've also got to accept into your life what God wants. And that requires time, requires discipline. Give yourself to productive things and above all, growing in the knowledge of Scripture, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, young person, let me ask you a question. What's the will of the Lord with regard to how your attitude towards your parents? Can you go to the scriptures and show me what your attitude should be? Or toward um, an, an older person who's in your home? What should your attitude be? How should you act? Can you go to scripture and tell me? If you say no, then what's going on? In this area, at least, you're foolish because you see here, we're only left with two options. You either understand what the will of the Lord is and you're wise because you understand it and do it or you do not understand what the will of God is. You do not do it and you're in the category of foolish. You see, I want you to see this is more than just okay watching a video for 25 minutes. I want you to see this is extremely important. Do you see that? And and parents, if you're listening, you you should think about, have you taught your children the commands of Scripture with regard to their parents? How God says they should act? This is part of teaching your children not to be foolish, is teaching them the will of God. So when it says here in verse 26 in Proverbs 4, you know, clear a way for your foot. The idea is ponder the path of your feet. Now, another possible translation or meaning of this is make the path for your feet level. And the idea is by removing entanglements. And there's a wonderful passage in Hebrews, chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance And the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us clear a path. Let us also unburden ourselves. Of entanglements. Look. Little tiny sins turn into bigger sins, which begin to affect our character and deform our character. And make it impossible for us to walk in a manner pleasing to God, what you want to do is is eliminate these things. Lay aside, it says in the book of Hebrews, everything that keeps you from running the race. Now. Um, as I've said, I think before, when I, I was a little boy, I was rather weak. And my d- dad put these big boots on me. And then he after, all, he, after that, he put these ankle weights on me. And I would run um, with those ankle weights and those big boots behind the truck. Now, but when I participated in a sport, whether it was basketball or cross country or whatever, I didn't have those boots on. I had light shoes on. And I certainly didn't have ankle weights. We took off those boots, put on lighter shoes, shoes that could move fast or at least fast for me. We took off those ankle weights. Why remove everything that's going to keep you from walking as you ought to walk. Also, the idea of entanglements in your path. Be very, very careful. uh, Because um, you can walk down paths that you should not walk, that are filled with all sorts of temptations to cause you to go astray now. So watch the path for your feet. Verse 26, verse 27, do not turn to the right, nor to the left. Okay. so what does it mean? Walk in the middle of God's will. Don't even within God's will, don't go to an extreme. Just walk right in the middle, keeping everything balanced. Walk in the middle of God's will. Many preachers have said this, that walking in the will of God is like walking on a very narrow path with deep ditches, dangerous ditches, better maybe ravines on both sides. You can fall off this way. You can fall off that way. You want to stay in the very center of God's will. Now, another thing that I want to say about that is this. Avoid extremes. Avoid extremes. Let me give you an example. Is it the will of God for um, for a man to have a ministry? Yes, it is in the church. But if. Is it, let's say that man is married. Does God also have a will for that man and his wife? Yes, he's supposed to do certain things according to the will of God for his wife. Does he have children? Yes, and so he's supposed to do certain things. They are the will of God for his children. So when I mean don't go to extreme, it's some people go, okay, I'm going to minister. This is the will of God, and it is. The problem is. They go to extreme, devote themselves to the ministry and neglect their wife and children. So when I say, say in the center, I'm saying, realize, yes, it's the will of God. But if in trying to do what you think is the will of God and this side, you neglect the will of God. On the other side, you're out of the will of God. We want to live balanced lives within the providence of God, the special providence of God for each. One of us. Now, walking in the middle. How do we walk in the middle? Commands, commands, proverbs, narratives that teach us, teaching. How do we walk? How do we walk in the middle of God's will? By knowing God's will. How do we know God's will? By knowing God's will in His Word. Young person, we're always going to go back to this. Uh, maybe you just need to watch the first uh, session in Proverbs, and that's it. Because it's always going to be the same thing. I can teach you the book of Proverbs, but if you don't obey, if you don't obey the the primary truth that we need God's revelation, we need his wisdom. If you don't obey that and start looking for God's wisdom in the word, then this isn't going to help you a whole lot. So we walk in the middle of God's will by following the commands and wisdom of Scripture. Let's look at uh, a text from the Old Testament and the New. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, you don't need a lamp or a light. If uh, if the whole world around you is full of light. But our whole world is full of spiritual darkness, spiritual darkness, and you are not a good compass. You are not a good compass, but the word of God is both a light and a compass, and that's what we need. How do we navigate? I remember one time going into a a large uh, wooded area to hunt and. They said it was like hundred and seventy five thousand acres or something like that of a forest. And I remember following ridges. That's what you want to do. You follow a ridge, follow ravines. And then all of a sudden I realized I don't need to go any farther. I don't have a compass. Cell phones <laughs> certainly didn't work. And uh, if I get lost among these ridges, I'm in trouble. You see, I needed a compass, even though I was been in the woods since I was a little boy. In this case, I needed a compass. I needed to know where I was going. Um, You need a compass. You must have a compass to navigate the spiritual darkness of this world. That compass is God's word. Uh, Second Peter chapter one, verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. That's the prophetic word in the scriptures to which you do well to pay attention. Um, remember when my little boys would go hunting with me when it would be nine, ten years old. And I remember uh, my son Evan, he was about nine, and we were in kind of a swampy area, and it was about four o'clock in the morning and with a group of men, and that's where we were going to break out and go out on our own. And my son, he needed to go to a tree stand where he could... Hunt, And uh, he said, Dad, um, I can handle it. I can make it through this swamp by myself. And I, and, uh, I said, you would do well, son, to let me go with you this time. Now, I think the next day he did go by himself. But I told him, I said, you would do well to let Dad go with you. You can get turned around in this swamp pretty quick. So he's saying you would do well to pay attention, okay, to a lamp, to, to, to the word as a lamp shining in a dark place. Dark, dark, pitch dark. It's not only not going to be able to show you the right way, it's going to try to convince you to go the wrong way. You need a lamp. You need the word of God. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. The word of God needs to become a part of you. That it, it's just a constant reminder, like a constant light, constantly answering the questions that are laid before you, because you've not only read it and studied it, you've internalized it. Young person, if all you learn. Uh, out of this study is that you need Christ and you need Christ's word, then you've learned enough. Enough. Now he says, turn your foot from evil. Turn your foot from evil. Now, it's saying when you see evil, get away, get away, get away. And in some ways, people in their boldness, thinking they're spiritual enough to handle a problem, a temptation, they're tempting God. God says, get away from it. When you see it coming, go the other direction. Go the other direction. I know many people who I've discipled and helped who had drug problems and alcohol problems and um, knowing their past, they just didn't go down certain streets. Why? Because that, those were the taverns that they frequented before. And so they would not go down that street unless it was with, with me to witness or something like that. But they wouldn't go down that street. Why? Because of this, they were turning their foot from evil. They weren't going to tempt God by putting themselves in a position where God would have to supernaturally intervene to bring them out. Wisdom wants us to see evil coming, you see, see it coming um, and to turn away from it. There were times like on the Amazon when uh, you're in, let's say, an 18 foot, something you would know as a John boat, maybe. Aluminum and with an outboard motor about 18 inches deep and uh, you'd have several people maybe in there, um, some equipment, and you'd see these storms coming down the river. And uh, you know, a a guy who didn't know what he was doing would say, I'm going to stay out in the middle of the river. I'm not afraid to get wet. and. Someone like me who had been on the river a little bit longer said, you should be afraid. You should be afraid. You've never seen a storm like the ones that hit on this river. And if we don't get this boat to the shore really quick, we could be sunk by the rains before we even hit the shore. And so there are things to be afraid of, and one of them is sin. I think it was John Wesley who said that he wished he could find a group of preachers that feared only two things. God and sin. Don't tempt God. Don't tempt God. Don't walk into trouble when you see it and could avoid it. And this is very important for media. Very important for media. Um, And if you have some sort of media or something in your home, internet and different things, you you, you need to put guards on it. and, And you need to be very, very careful. It says turn your foot from evil. But here's something I want to talk about. Um, You don't just turn from evil into nothing. Um, You turn from evil. You flee evil in order to do something else, to pursue righteousness. If you just see evil over here and you say, okay, I'm turning away from evil. That's not enough. You'll just... In that idle time, you'll constantly be looking back. So it's not just, oh, there's evil, so I'm going to run from it. But there's evil and I'm going to run from it and run to righteousness. And I'm going to busy myself with doing righteousness. It's a lot more difficult to be tempted when you are busying yourself with righteousness, when you are doing the will of God. But if you're just sitting there in between the two things idly, and not pursuing righteousness, then evil is going to have a lot greater uh, influence upon you. And we get this in 2 Timothy 2.22. Listen. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Do you see two things there? Flee and pursue. First of all, flee from youthful lusts. Even though we're Christians, are those of us who have trusted in Christ, we've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. We're truly Christian. There is something in us called the flesh. It's some there's this unregenerated aspect of our person that still pulls us away and fights against righteousness within us. And it says when that springs up. Don't give into it. Don't enliven it by looking over at wicked, unrighteous things. So that it jumps up and is attracted. But what should we do? Pursue what? Righteousness. What is righteousness? Conformity to the nature and will of God. Pursue it. Chase after it. Run after it. Okay? Run after it. Faith. Pursue Faith. How do you do that? By growing in your knowledge of the promises as they are set forth in Scripture, because faith is impossible without the Word of God. Love. This is not some romantic, emotional thing. This is love according to 1 Corinthians 13, which has to do with conformity to Christ and demonstrating that conformity to Christ to other people. Peace. We live in a world that is hostile, working for peace, being a peacemaker is a full time job. And know that when you're doing this, you're not alone. You're doing it with all who call on the on the Lord from a pure heart. One of the characteristics of genuine Christianity. And this is very, very good in order to examine yourself. If you see a person who's constantly running to lust and never pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. It's very doubtful they're a Christian, even though they say they are. Christians, although very fallible, still have to deal with sin, still have to confess sin. They are going to be marked, at least mature Christians are going to be marked by what? Running away from lust and chasing after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So you see, we're not just reading the Bible to read the Bible. We're reading the Bible because we're pursuing Righteousness. Now, also in first Timothy 611, it says, but flee from these things, these ignoble things, not just bad things, but things that aren't worthy of a Christian. Flee from these things, you man of God. Okay, again, run, flee. But then look what he says and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance and gentleness. So always it's not just take away, but it's take away in order to give. Take away that which is contrary to the will of God in order to receive that which is in agreement with the will of God. Run from certain things, run from them. Pursue other things, righteous things, things according to the will of God. Now, why? It says in verse 26, all your ways will be established that it can be translated, all your ways will be sure. Secure, it means going back to Psalms, chapter one, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord is going to be intimately involved in your life to help you. Also, your ways are going to be sure because you're not constantly going to be thinking, is this the right way? Is this the right way? Am I right? Am I wrong? Because you will be judging the right way by the word of God. You will not be wandering. You will walk with the confidence of a man or woman who knows that he or she is in the very center of God's will, protected by that will and shepherded by that will. Now, let's look at that again. If you let God's word direct your path, it doesn't mean your life will be easy. It doesn't mean that you will live long. Die in your 90s. Doesn't mean that you won't have terrible trials, but it will mean that in all of the experiences of life that you will be confronted with, you will have the strong confidence that you are standing in the right path and that God is with you. And and I want to point out something. Notice that I said protected by God's will and shepherded by God's will. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, how is he your shepherd? He, he is a shepherd by his invisible providence of caring for us, even when we can't see. But he's also a shepherd by leading us according to his word. So God's shepherding of his people. For the most part. Is by his word. He tells us what to do. Where to go. But also notice that I've put here. Not only are we shepherded by God's word. We're protected by his word and his will. Let's think about something for a moment. Um, Let's say a man. Is unfaithful to his wife. And divorces her. And. He goes into a bar and he gets drunk and he gets in a car uh, and he drives far beyond the speed limit and he crashes and kills himself. How can the will could the will of God have protected that man? Well, let's just look. First of all, uh, God hates divorce. If the man had not gotten the divorce in order to free himself up to go into the bar, he wouldn't have gotten drunk and he wouldn't have gotten in a wreck and died. But let's look more. So if he had simply been faithful to his wife and not gone to the bar, that would have ended the matter. If he'd have followed God's will with regard to his marriage. But then let's let's say that the other command, God speaks against drunkenness. And in being in a place that is frequented by drunks. If he had obeyed God's will in this and not gotten drunk, he wouldn't have got in the accident. Then let's go on. Let's even just remove that part and he is driving twice the speed limit, well, he's violating God's will. You say, well, God doesn't talk about speed limits. No, but God does talk about submission to the government when it's not contrary to the law of God. So you see, when we put ourselves in in God's will, when we're wanting to know his will, we're studying his will, we're praying to have Understanding of his word, we're seeking wise counsel. We're listening to good expository preaching. We're listening to elders and those who have authority like parents. It, it protects us. It protects us. Well, we've come to the end, believe it or not, of chapter four and the next time uh, in God's providence, according to God's will, if there is a next time we will begin chapter five, verse one. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com.